0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Light the...
1: That's David rapping, you guys.
0: Well, you know, I, I've always wanted to be a DJ. I've said it here many times, I'll continue to say it's one of my lifelong regrets that I was never official DJ. Like, I was a DJ, the guy that put on all the CDs really fast at the house party because we didn't have an actual real DJ. And people were like, oh, I liked your music, but I never really got into it. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll never know if I miss my calling, but I would be DJ DK. So,
1: so it's important to know what your name would be, even if you didn't
0: ever. Exactly. Cause if, you know, in, in another lifetime, maybe I will be DJ DK. And here's my
1: question. Do you mean that you really wanted to have like a mixing board and you wanted to like put two songs together and then like do your own little riffs?
0: So one of my best friends was a very successful big time hip hop DJ. Became a music producer. So yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. I want I wanted to be like the adopted bastard uh, Mexican Polynesian Caucasian uh, Dr. Dre, right? Like I want to be Dr. Like I want to be like instead of Dr. Dre, I'd be like medical assistant Dre. You're like, I'm not quite a doctor, but I'm not that good at DJ producing. But You're just like a phlebotomist level. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Uh. So anyways, there you go, guys. Welcome to Light the Fight, as always. Start off with something corny or stupid, or whether you like it or not.
1: You know, your dreams are not stupid, David, whatever they are. I will tell you, you guys, what my dream, my lifelong dream was to be
0: a wedding planner. Well um in some ways you
1: and i'm definitely like full level.
0: <laughs> oh, no, no 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 no. When it comes to wedding planners you're like you do the cake, the flowers, you do it all so
1: well, let me just tell you we um may or may not have a very real situation happening so my, my dreams may or may not be
0: coming. <laughs> you
1: gotta, <Okay>. sometimes <laughs> you got to put those dreams into action is what i'm saying.
0: Okay. I don't know exactly what you're hitting to, but I have a feeling that since you have kids, eventually they'll get married one more time.
1: Yeah, we're not. This is, uh, was not an announcement.
0: Mm. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Brandon um, reminding me yet again that his mother
0: is a cake maker. Just yes. In, makes,
1: just, since you guys are not seeing the chat from Brandon. I,
0: I can <laughs> I can share that I've tried her cakes. They are amazing. So. <laughs> okay. Good to know. <laughs> All right, well, let's get back to the regularly scheduled program. For those of you guys that have fought, Light the Fight is brought to you, will hopefully always be brought to you by 1-800-CONTACTS or community sponsor. And they help us just have everything that we do here and everything that we need to do this pro- this programming and pro- podcasting for you. And also, Lingo Eyewear, L-I-I-N-G-O Eyewear.com backslash Light the Fight. You can get $30 off your first order. And I'm wearing the glasses right now. Heidi, those lingo. I wear glasses, or they are? always gotta be. Yeah, you gotta wear them wearing, them. And we're not wearing them for the ad. We're wearing them because we can't see. It's an age if problem. This happens that it they have it been <laughs> sponsored of the podcast of the podcast.
1: Natural consequence of life.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, Heidi and I figure out we're better at seeing blurry than seeing clear. <laughs>
1: Really good at that. Yeah.
0: are good at that one. So thank you again to our sponsor. We appreciate them very much because, like I said, we couldn't do this without them. So let's just jump right into it, Heidi. Let's get right into it. And we may, after we get some nuggets out there, we may finish the conversation on Patreon. We'll 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 see how much uh, we're able to get through. Um, and for those of you guys who haven't heard about our Patreon, go to www.patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com backslash light the fight. It's our like little $5 a month way to support us. We give you an extra video. Um, we'll, we'll give you the video content of our podcast there, but we also give you an extra um, video throughout every single week. So it could be answering questions. It could be like a, a 2.0 to our normal weekly episode where we continue the conversation there. So check it out, patreon.com. If you're not familiar with Patreon, not just with us, I suggest you check it out. Some of your favorite people that you're fans of, out there in the world, um, they actually may have a Patreon. A Patreon, Patreon is the way that people can get paid without having to depend solely upon sponsorships and without having, in some cases, to sell their soul. Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of people out there have sold their soul just to get the advertising dollars. Patreon, it's like for it's like for real fans. So, you know, if you're a fan, you want to uh, sponsor us, you want to get extra content, check it out. Thank you. Okay? And thanks to those
1: of you who are already patrons. Yes, all, all of our patron
0: members. Whoop, whoop, raise the roof. <laughs> From DJ DK. Yeah, raise the roof. Hey. Okay. So, Heidi, you, you present what is the topic we're going to talk about, and then I'm going to say something that you didn't suspect and take a different angle, and then we'll be done. Go ahead. Well,
1: so the topic that I wanted um, to talk about. Is is something that I deal with on a on a personal level, um, and it's a topic that gets talked a lot, like on artist forums or um, entrepreneur forums or mom mom mompreneur, mompreneur. What's what's that word that you like to say, David? Mompreneur. Mom, mom. Mom. I can't
0: even say that. <laughs> mompreneur. <laughs> mompreneur 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 mompreneur
1: whatever um, so it's talked about all the time and you know <clears throat> the the buzzword that gets talked about is um imposter imposter syndrome and if any of you guys have kids that play among that among us you, it might be like a totally different <laughs> meaning of what the imposter is but um Anyway, one of the things that I got thinking about, I was listening to an uh another podcast of a mom who was talking about a, losing a son to suicide, and she was talking about um this high, high achieving son that was, uh, you know really held himself at a high standard in school, in sports. And in in everything that he did, to the point that um, and and she kind of was using perfectionism in there. And one of the things that she stated is that she really felt like perfectionism was a, a form of mental illness. And um, as I like I said, as I was listening to some different podcasts, I was t- I was listening to one that was like this um artist entrepreneur podcast that I listen to regularly which I kind of fall into that category interestingly and it was being talked about um as kind of this imposter syndrome and I was finding that I really could relate um and so I I sent David off this text and it it said you know do you feel like um perfectionism is a form of mental illness and um and in our conversation it kind of came back around to imposter syndrome now before we go on any further if you have heard the term imposter syndrome to me it feels like a little bit of a buzzword and i was hearing it talked about over and over and over but i didn't really know what it was um specifically like these different moms or different artists were talking about um suffering from imposter syndrome and i just I didn't really know what it was and so while i don't have like an actual definition pulled up i think david do you have a uh,
0: yeah I, I got some I'm going to give you a little description of it instead, because there's not like a firm definition, but just, I found one that's a, it's a, it's a good one. So it says imposter syndrome refers to an internal experience of believing that you are not as competent as others perceive you to be. While this definition is usually, usually narrowly applied to intelligence and achievement. It has links to perfectionism and the social context. To put it simply, imposter syndrome is the experience of feeling like a phony. You feel as though at any moment you are going to be found out as a fraud, like you don't belong where you are, and you only got there through dumb luck. It can affect anyone, no matter their social status, work background, skill level, or degree of expertise. The term was first used by psychologists Susanna Ims and Pauline Rose Clance in the 1970s, when the concept of IS was introduced. It was originally thought to apply mostly to high-achieving women. Since then, it has been recognized as more widely experienced. This article discusses the signs of imposter syndrome. Okay, it says basically what it is. So let me just give you, because these are, this is the one that I found that I liked. So they have a couple, this is kind of similar, even though it's not an actual official diagnosis, but this is the way like you you have diagnosis. There's like certain characteristics that have to be met, right? So they said characteristics, now you don't have to have all these, but characteristics of imposter syndrome could be um, some of the following: Inability to realistically and inability to realistically assess your competence and skills, attributing uh, attributing your success to external factors, berating your performance, fear that you won't live up to expectations, overachieving, sabotaging your own success, self-doubt, setting very challenging goals, and feeling disappointed when you fall short.
1: So I think that if anybody listening I mean, that that has got to be 100% of of our listeners, 100% of people, which I I know is kind of um, your point, but I, I wanted to share, like, as I started to learn more about this, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about the things that stress me out personally, And, and if you, if you indulge me for just a second, I'm going to talk about myself in my professional goal, as, as David would call it, my bedazzled self. Um, I had this experience, um, in 2015, 2014, 2015 area, which is the year that we lost Corey. Um, where I had two major programs in Michael's Hobby Lobby and Joanne's, all three of these major box, you know, national chains were carrying two of my programs on their main, um, we call them end caps. So when you're walking in the store and you're seeing product right on the end of an aisle, that end cap space is the, the most coveted space creme de la creme. <laughs> it and the expectation for production in terms of sales is extremely, extremely high.
0: You mean they don't just do yeah. randomly put products everywhere and just hope they do well? Yeah, 100%. No, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, there's, a, there's a business mindset. About, okay, continue.
1: And um at that point, I think there was part of me that knew I would never ever hit that again. That was like a once in a lifetime experience and and I can't even really talk about it in in a way that I should feel very proud of what happened because the, the ideas were really great. Um, The work of the team to make everything happen were really great, but it never was about how great that was. It was only ever about what was next. And there was never a moment that I sat and thought, I'm so proud of myself. This was really good. I genuinely, only thought I can never do this again. I have I don't have it in me, I don't have good ideas, this you know. and and I can genuinely tell you, I mean, then we had the Corey situation happen and... Um, a lot of other things then started to add to, to very crumbling self-belief. And then I had people kind of holding, you know, seeing this person, Heidi Swap And thinking something about this person. And yet I I couldn't think that about myself. And so, um, I, I hated it. It it was an extremely low place that should have been a very mm, wonderful time and, and a wonderful sense of achievement for me. Um, I share that because as I look back and the decisions that I've made in my career have moved me completely away from ever having to be in that situation where I would have to um, only be be judged on what was going to come next after that highest pinnacle of, you know, like, like if there was Olympics for crafts, that was that was me kind of getting the gold medal and never being able to come back and getting
0: another gold medal. But, you know, like even and and if. I would say we're like an artist where you hit that platinum album, but not a lot of artists are going to have multiple platinum albums. That's way harder than getting one platinum album. And so it's like, hey, do you have a fan following? Do you sell tickets to concerts? Yes, you can still have a great career and you're doing well. But, to get back to that pinnacle, to get there was a miracle in of itself. To maintain it would be a miracle. So, yeah, it's like, hey, you know, you have something good on, but you can't it's like you can't imagine how you could ever get back to that
1: and And how do you really like honor that really great achievement? And not be able to do it again. You know, and. And I saw this a lot in the Olympics. I don't know how many people were watching the Olympics, but but just like one example is women's downhill skiing, right? And I don't know if you followed along with it, but this, the most decorated skier woman, and I can't remember her name, and um, I didn't know I was going to bring it up, or I probably would have pulled it up, but she fell multiple times and you know, everybody expected her to just, this was going to be her year and, and she had these three falls and it just happened to be like the worst conditions and, you know, everything kind of working against her. Um, I think Lindsey Vaughn, um, is the one that I'm referring to. And, and I just think to myself, like, it really sucked. To not be able to acknowledge what I had achieved, because I couldn't achieve it again, and 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 so I mean that that's just one example of me struggling with some imposter syndrome in my in my career. Um, I think that even if we drill down even more on a personal side, I can remember when Corey passed away, and I was thinking to myself. And I shared this before on the podcast that like I'm a scrapbooker, I have portrayed all of these happy memories, I have shared all of these wonderful stories. And now you're gonna find out that actually I was a I was a horrible mom and we we weren't a great family. You you know, that that was kind of how I felt. Um and so you know. David, how, there, ha, you have to, have, you have to have run into this conversation. Um, David and I have actually never talked about this um, imposter syndrome conversation because I don't think it's normally talked about in terms of a parenting. Like a lot of times, we're talking about parenting relationships, and so imposter syndrome really kind of lies in us as an individual. I I would think. And so maybe that's why it's never come up, even though it's something that once it's been defined and it's been talked about, I have struggled with it for years.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, it actually came up uh, just a couple of weeks ago with one of my clients. And, um, and I, 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 I can mention what the story is without giving any way, anything away from this client. And also yeah. Anyways, they would be totally fine with it, but I'm not going to say their name. Anyways, I'm just going to talk about the story. Um, their son is over 18, been living at home, and uh, moved out. Right? Got a house. Right? Parents, they put their name on the house. They put the money up front. Like they they put it all set up. Year after, he's been out of high school and stuff and everything. Now he's been having some issues. He's been struggling. Um, And he realizes he needs to to get off of his parents' financial support. And because he had such a bad year last year, his parents started giving him a gas card, then an open checking account, then this and that. Well, now that they're looking at how much he's been spending lately, it's like, ooh, it's getting way out of control. And it's been going on for months, but in recent months, it's gotten really bad. And so I had a conversation with him and I just said, hey, man, remember we said you know, in the past that the goal was for you to be financially independent. So you could look yourself in the mirror and, and know that you've changed. You've come a long way. Cause you know, he's comes from a privileged background. Parents have a lot of money and he goes, yes, you're right. That's the final thing. Okay. Let's do that. Let's start it. Let's go. He's like, but he's like, I I, I'm kind of scared to bring up these conversations. My parents. I'm like, why He's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm dating someone and I have friends. And he goes, to be honest, I feel like I've just been like, Everybody thinks that I'm doing so well, but nobody knows that my parents are paying for everything. I mean, cell phone, insurance, everything. But he's been telling the story. Yeah, you know, I've been doing that. You know, like, so, you know, he looks busy and stuff, but he's not really doing that makes any money and they have to pay for all his bills. So he goes, I, I feel like I like it makes me feel nervous and weird to talk about this. with My parents, because I've always just like kind of it's like we don't talk about it. It's this unspoken thing. I said, "Have you ever heard of imposter syndrome?" He's like, "No, I haven't." I go Google it right now. He Googles it and he starts reading it and you know we're we're doing a, you know, Zoom call and he's looking at it and all of a sudden he just drops his head. And he goes, "This is exactly why I'm getting this pit in my stomach even talking about this." Cuz my biggest fear is that I'm going to be exposed to everyone as just not actually getting by. And that all the things I have is because my mommy and daddy, and I've always said, I'm, I, even though my parents are wealthy, I'm not spoiled. He goes, but I guess I kind of am. They do everything for me. So we had a good conversation about this posture syndrome, but the reason why I bring this up is that something actually helped him. This is a person who's struggled. I won't say what they've struggled, been struggling with this past, you know, a couple of years, but struggled a lot, like very serious struggles where like I could, his parents were just like, Oh, let's spoil him. no, they're worried about his overall safety. So when you're worried about your kids overall safety, sometimes you just roll up the red carpet and say, whatever the heck you need, whatever it is, don't even worry about it. And then when your kid's not in that place anymore, it's like, hmm, maybe when you change the agreement, because the agreement was for when you were in a bad place, and now he's in a much better place, right? So I said something to him that he said really helped him and encouraged him because he was feeling really bad about this imposter syndrome thing. And he'd asked me, he goes, he goes is this, so is this something that like, can I get better from this? Is like, is this like a part of like my big issue right now? And I said, I go, would you be more surprised if someone said they've never felt any feelings of depression ever in their whole entire life or a person that you know is struggling with depression? Because I'd be way more surprised to hear someone they've never even felt depressed ever about anything. said, exactly. I said, imposter syndrome is very similar to comparing yourself to other people. There's a saying that says, you know, the, the uh, uh, comparison is the thief of all joy, right? I think that was Roosevelt that said that. Anyways, I can't remember who the quote was. I go, well, have you heard of that before? He goes, yeah. I said, well, if comparing ourselves to other people can make us feel bad, wouldn't it be an easy solution to just not compare ourselves to other people, right? Just don't compare yourself to other people. Never do it again. Look at Instagram. See all the perfect, beautiful people. All the beautiful people. The beautiful people, right? Just see all those people out there and have no bad feeling. Just tell yourself, I don't feel bad that they're perfect and I'm not. Just don't. Just don't think about it, right? And when I told them that this is part of your human condition, like comparing yourself is, the trick is if it's natural and it's going to happen which i truly believe if you do not at some time in your life feel like you're an imposter have had those types of feelings or have been scared to death because you've actually really been an imposter and now you're like oh my gosh now i'm getting called out on it if you've never had those types of thoughts or feelings or experiences then that's very rare that's not common what is a what is is when it's the the problem can come when it becomes such a focus of yours that you either double down. That's why we say when people are ashamed, they hide. Because when someone feels like they're imposter, one of the ways of dealing with feeling like an imposter is double down, mean go all in on that you are totally comfortable and find that situation. I got it. Don't worry. I got it. And then you take on 30 things when you can only do three. Sound familiar, Heidi? Continue. So... (laughs) It's but like you're Jesus. not but you're not calling people apologizing, saying I've been off more than I could chew. I really can't do it. I totally oversold what I'm capable of doing. I feel horrible about it. It's like, no, I'm just gonna figure it out. Okay. Well, what happens is that's when the perfection, that's when the perfectionism starts to get dialed up to a very unhealthy point. Just like with comparison. How do you know? The reason why I said comparison is part of the human condition, because it's actually necessary imposter syndrome is necessary too to a certain degree of course right the degree that it's that um comparison is necessary is the degree that we got to know where we're at and the only way to know where we're at or how much something is worth it is it has to be compared to something else so if you dated someone in the past and that person was not good for you and now you're dating someone who's good you're going to compare your new person when they piss you off and make you mad you're going to say well at least they're not like my ex at least they're not doing that Don't freak out. Like, even though I'm not happy, it's not worth just selling it and getting out of the relationship because it's not that bad, right? So that's where comparison is very powerful, very helpful. I bought a pair of shoes from one company, it sucked. Bought a pair from another company, awesome, sweet. Comparison, necessary, we need it. But where it gets out of hand is the same place where it gets out of hand with imposter syndrome. When it becomes our focus and our fear, when we're scared to be exposed because we know we're not being honest and real with our feelings, our emotions, what whatever it have be, our job, maybe we're sloughing on our job, barely taking our job serious. And we're just like waiting one day that someone's going to find out. We're super scared. So instead of just going to them and saying, hey, listen, you know, I think I can take on more work. And, you know, instead of like taking that initiative, you're sitting there going, oh, I'm fine. I don't want to mess up a good thing. I'm just going to sit here and play it cool. And then you get the call. Yeah, the... The general manager uh, is coming in to town and says they want to meet with you. You're not going to be able to sleep that night. You're going to be freaking out because you know that you have not been doing everything you're supposed to be doing. And you want to know who suffers from imposter syndrome a lot? Teenagers. Now, let me tell you why teenagers suffer from imposter syndrome. Because they talk a lot and they haven't lived long enough to do a lot. So when you're telling your parents things like, hey, listen, if you just quit nagging me about," My homework, I would get better grades. Ooh, that sounds like quite an interesting theory. (laughs) So if you're, so you're saying you're so wise at your young age that if me, the parent who has struggled throughout their whole entire life to stand point, stay focused, and finish what you start, but I don't know, like I, I don't need to remind you. You're just going to know how to do your homework on your own. You're going to remember how you do it. You're going to get it done. You're going to turn it in. No prompts, nothing for me. Now, if one of you out there listening this has one of those kids well, you better thank the stars and heavens because they don't come around that often, okay? (laughs) Just doing it solely on their own. But for the kids out there that needed the reminder, they still think somehow I would be better off without it. So you let them go. Then I talk to those kids, their grades are falling apart. Their parents are right the whole entire time. And they've been selling something that they weren't believing was real. And they feel like they're an imposter. Or another example, a lot of teenagers on social media, They know that their persona and their personality and their image on social media does not compare fairly to their real life persona and social media, you know, you know, like who they are on social media versus who they're on off social media. When things get put to them right in their face in real life that they cannot deal with on social media, it's not something they can post or tweet about something they have to deal with. They tend to fall apart because they're like, no, this world I created that's my real life. That's my real life. And it's not, you know, I've been thinking about this for a long time. And one of the drawbacks, I think with social media, I think everybody can, to some degree, uh, say that there's valid in in this, this statement, social media has probably given our society, maybe other countries, but definitely our country, an increase in people that have narcissistic thoughts, behaviors, and actions. Okay. I don't think, and I'm not saying everybody on social media or everyone that has lots of followers on social media f- fit in that, but I'm saying, I think it's creating more characteristics and personality types that fall into the, the narcissism because it's a lot about self-attention sometimes for some people, right? And I think part of it has to do with, and this has happened with so many of my clients and you know, I, I might've been border on this a couple of times my, myself, my life. When you are an imposter and you know you're faking something, and it's not a syndrome, it's a reality, and you know it. And maybe other people know it, but you know it, right? Some people they hold off as long as they can, but as soon as something exposed them, they break down. They have, you know, a lot of issues at the moment. They break down because they're scared to death because they know their time—the t- the clock was ticking. Other people say, "I'm going to pretend that it's actually real. That I'm not." an error in what I said, I'm not a jerk, I'm not mean, I'm not this, I'm not that, because that would require a whole lot more work for me to face that, and for me to change, become better. So I'm just gonna double down, I'm gonna go on the attack, I'm going to act like my opinions and these things are misunderstood by you, and they really go all in on that uh, on that mentality. I think because imposter syndrome is such part of our human condition, that if we don't address it properly, just like with compare comparison, if we don't address it properly, we don't realize that imposter syndrome is a great is a great way for you to put yourself in check if you're being an imposter, and it's also a great way to ask yourself, hey, am I being an imposter? Because guess what, you guys, being an imposter is not good. Did we not? Cl- I don't know if we even clarify, That's not good. So if you're an imposter and your brain does not buy BS. Our emotional brain can be freaking out all the time saying, we got to do this, we got to do this. And our logical brain will be like, well, if we do that, then we get fired and we can't pay our mortgage. Okay, maybe we better not do that, right? So there's a part of us that balances out. So when someone comes to me and says, hey, listen, I feel like everybody's saying that I'm not real or that I'm being fake and this and that. I'm like, I'm not saying you are, but maybe there's parts of you that are. I'm not saying you're a fake person, but maybe you're not being honest with yourself in these one or two different situations. When they look at it like that, they go, wow, it's true. I wasn't being honest with myself. I have been an imposter. I've been acting in this scenario. So then it leads them like guilt to wanting to do something about it. Imposter syndrome is shame. That's that's where it's, it really at its worst is shame, but at its best, it's also shame just in a different way. So at its best, it's a type of shame that says, you know what? I can do better. I can do better than this. What am I doing? I'm not being honest with myself. We, most adults listen to podcasts and think of two or three times in their life where they were totally in on their own lie. They're like, yeah, I'm totally fine. This relationship makes me happy. I'm okay. It's fine. Like whatever the lies they're telling themselves, are like, I'm happy in this job that doesn't treat me well. I like, Whatever lies we've told ourselves, we could look back in our life and say, that was a lie. And I wasn't being honest with myself. So imposter syndrome, when it's good, it's like that guilt, like, hey, this isn't you. You know you should be doing better. Go do something about it. When it's bad, it's the shame that says, hide, don't let anyone know. Or do the opposite and pretend like you're the best at it when you don't know what the hell you're doing. Okay. I'll show up for a there's second. Two things, fire hose there's you There's a lie. Two
1: things kind of at play. Um and I like I like this concept of being able to use it to do a self-evaluation. Like, am I being real? Am I showing up as myself? Am I being true to myself in X, Y, Z? I think there's another place where you are, and yet those voices in your head are telling you, that you're not as good as you think you are, or you are doing your best and yet you're kind of being super hard on yourself and you're the one that's kind of dragging yourself down. And I think that both of them, it's like these two sides of of the spectrum, maybe even um, that the, both of those are, are kind of natural feelings, right?
0: Well, you think about this real quick. And I, I, I'm going to say this. and I want you to elaborate on it. Think of how many young actors, how many young celebrities, for whatever they're a celebrity for, athletes, actors, um, definitely musicians, right? Younger musicians. Imagine why so many of them have struggled with addiction at a young age, struggled with mental health. And in many ways, I think there's an argument saying that how could you develop a normal personality and sense of self when you're constantly being told you're amazing and you have this money? You, you may be the sole provider of your family. Your family may have sold everything for your acting career, and now your success is paying their mortgage. This, that. this has been done before, plenty of times, right? We've heard this story before. In those situations where a young person has all those accolades and all those things, And maybe they just had the right look. Maybe they got lucky. Maybe they're talented. But when you're 10 and talented, you don't want to like work all day long, right? Like even if you want to be a great actor, there's going to be times where you just want to be like a normal kid. You want to go to dance when you're in high school, those things. So if we look at how it's affected young actors and young celebrities, because I think it's safe to assume they all feel that. How could they not feel that? They just want to be normal. I remember everybody knows who Justin Bieber is. I'll never forget. There's a, a TV show on MTV. It's not on there anymore, but it's called Fantasy Factory. You remember that one, Heidi? Yeah. So Rob Deerdeck, big like mogul skateboarding and stuff. Anyways, he had this TV show and one of his guests, he'd have random people come by the Fantasy Factory because he got really popular. Out of nowhere, Justin Bieber came by. Well, it turns out Justin Bieber was a huge fan of him. Now, Justin Bieber is richer than Rob Deerdeck. He has more girls in the world that love him, but Rob Deerdick was an older guy that kind of had this street swag and he had a lot going for him, right? Rob Deerdeck in the episode, I don't know why does he bought him like one of those uh those T-rex motorcycle cars where it's like um two in the front and one in the back, the wheels and you drive it like a car, right? He bought him that, and Justin Bieber like looked at him like a little kid. He goes, "Thank you so much," and like he looked like he was about to cry and I looked at that moment and I remember thinking. Justin Bieber can't believe he's Justin Bieber. He doesn't know how he got here. He just wants to be. He was like looking up this guy because his big brother, like he was like, he could have bought freaking 30 of those things. But what broke him down was that it was bought by a guy who is older than him. And by the way, Justin Bieber is one of the most hated males in the country by other males, not by girls, (laughs) but by other males. So I was watching in Lifetime someone that obviously has to have some level, at probably a very high level, imposter syndrome feel like they're normal for a second. And it wasn't even about how much the gift costs about this guy got it for him. And he felt like I'm a normal person. Someone's buying me a gift. When it, with all his friends, who's going to buy him a car. He's the richest one out of all of them. Right. Right. It's, and,
1: and it's true. I think that, I think that there's some value in this conversation and, and from the beginning, when Dave and I talked about this, I wanted to say, let's kind of normalize some of these feelings and some of these experiences, because if we sit and talk about someone who's totally fake and they're just a sham and they're just so full of it, I mean, these stigmas of somebody who, and, and we can all like sit and evaluate like the people that we know in our life who we think, you know, they're totally, they're totally fake.
0: Yeah. Um, but in a sense, we're calling them an imposter.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And so I want, I want to say like, if you have a kid or you yourself is suffering from these feelings, First of all, I think that we need to acknowledge, and I love that you said this earlier, it's part of our human condition to maybe portray something that we aren't yet. Maybe um, try on or be a certain way in order to fit into a certain genre that might not be quite who we are yet. Maybe we're trying it maybe that is who we want to become. Maybe that's how we want to be. Maybe we find out it's not how we want to be. I think that this process of being something and someone that you're not is part of the experimenting and learning process. Like we all love like, you know, I'm turning 50 next month. Right. And we all love to be like, oh man, in my twenties, I blah, 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 blah. I just was so this. And I was so that I was so full of bull, you know, because when we're 50 and there's like memes out there, like 50 year old women don't give a this and that. And I'm waiting for when I don't give a this and that. Cause I would appreciate, that. <laughs> I think I would like that. But I think that as we go through our lives, It's part of our learning process to be like, I'm going to try on this hat. I'm going to try on this um, personality. I'm going to try on this vibe and maybe I'm going to like it. And maybe I'm not, maybe that's really who I am. Maybe it's not who I am. I don't think it's a bad thing. To try these to, to experiment. With who you really are, because how else are you gonna figure that out?
0: Yeah. And and that's why the the in when it's healthy, the um the impo- the feelings of that you're imposter. Am I fake? Am I it's a great self-assessment. Yeah. It's, it's a great way to be like, Am I tripping? Am I okay? Am I getting my own head? You're trying to you're trying to best friend yourself. You're checking yourself. And I think that in and of itself is not bad. But if we forget that that's what it's supposed to be for, we can obsess, we can become very perfectionism, like perfectionism, we can become a perfectionist about that, then that's where it starts to tilt over from, I want to be really good at this thing, and I want to figure it out, to this thing defines me.
1: Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Um, I was thinking about just in the last two years, this world that we're that we've been living in this this covid world um it's affected all of us in really different ways um and i think that there's a lot of reports there's a lot of people talking about how negatively it's affected like kids in school Mm -hmm. um and how maybe negative it has been for kids to be behind masks or or any of these different things well I think for, for me and we kind of, you know, as I kind of spew my own <laughs> struggles to everybody here for a second. Um, it's interesting that I used to like be going into the office, be in meetings, speaking at events, being traveling to teach before COVID. I had so much on my plate. um, And COVID came and everything just came to a screeching halt. And I was so grateful. I loved the stopping. And it has been hard for me to want to get back into going out and speaking at events and being back out there and putting pants back on from sweatpants or whatever, you know, like, and. I had a good friend recently say to me, you know what, this is not you. You are somebody that likes to put yourself out there and likes to teach these classes. And, you know, um, I've been doing kind of that self-assessment that after this last two years, I've gotten real comfortable with not putting myself out there and with not having to get dressed, get dressed up and not having to go somewhere and have these expectations on me. And I have to admit that I've kind of gotten comfortable not putting my, not pushing myself. And so I think it's kind of also an opposite form where we do have to keep ourselves in check and say, am I being Who, who I want to be. Am I striving to be this best version of myself? And, and I think at the same time, it's okay for me to say, I used to like that. And now I don't need that.
0: (laughs) And other things
1: are more important
0: or whatever. I no, I, I agree with you. And I think that's the reason why as parents. We're always telling our kids who they are, like the way we see them. And then we're telling them, don't forget who you are. Like, you're not that type of kid. You're this way. Like, we're always trying to to nudge them and to see what their full capability and potential is because they're always going to doubt themselves. Things are going to shame them. They're going to shame themselves. They're going to feel like, am I really faking it? Because, you know, I mean, you know, everybody says fake it till they make it right. Well, you really start to do that in middle school and high school. A lot of times in elementary school, kids get bullied. And they they walk right into it. They don't even know what's happening. They don't realize that something about them. Because as they get in middle school and the teenagers, they go, "Okay, how do I have to dress to not get messed with? How do I have to get dressed <laughs> to get attention? How do I have to get dressed to be taken serious or tough?" Like they they vibe out all those things. And you know, it's it's we're always trying to do that with our kids. But this for our listeners is really do the same thing for yourself. If you're being hard on yourself, it's like, oh man, like. You know, if people only knew that I didn't do this. I didn't do that. You'd say, okay, it's true. If people knew that I would feel bad. And that's why I'm not going to do that tomorrow because whether someone's watching or not, I don't want to feel like an imposter. Because no one wants to feel ashamed and no one wants to feel like an imposter. No one wants those feelings. Mm-hmm. So that's just a simple, basic way to, um, to, you know, once you recognize that you're having those types of, imposter type thoughts and feelings or wondering if you are or not, it's like, Hey, you know, am I just being hard on myself right now? Is this something that's a real issue that I need to change or what is this? Those are all great self-assessments.
1: I think that we can both do that. I mean, we're always talking about modeling, but as we do that with ourselves and kind of maybe share some of those thoughts with our kids. That, I mean, they're going to they're gonna know our imposterism better than anybody. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, I think that opens up an opportunity for us to have these conversations with our kids. Because a lot of times, and this is something we talk about a lot, kids are having these thoughts and feelings inside their head, and they might just think there's something wrong with them. They don't realize that there's actually a name for this these feelings or they don't, they don't realize, Oh, so it's normal. Other people also feel this. I'm not the crazy one who's, who's having these feelings. And so I think that, um, it's something worth talking about or helping your kid to see inside themselves. Like this is a thing. And this is what you can do about it. Yeah, and this is what I try to do about it, and how I've experienced it. It's a great conversation.
0: Thank you. Let them know it's normal. You beat yourself up too, and this is how you deal with it.
1: Yeah, and and so at, at the end of the day, I think that anything you know, just to loop it back to the beginning when my text to David was like, do you consider perfectionism a mental illness? Um, It's almost like anything taken in in its extreme, like all the way pushed to the end of this, this, the extreme perspective side of the spectrum. Yeah, that starts to become a mental illness type of a situation.
0: Yeah, being too happy and being like, excited with tons of ideas that's manic like that, that's yeah anything to an extreme is usually not you know really good so yeah i couldn't agree more
1: always kind of as david likes to remind me just kind of bringing it into the middle
0: you don't <laughs> want your pores to be too hot or too cold just right Just
1: right <laughs> <laughs> Well, to all of you guys who are listening and um, hopefully we've given you something to think about and maybe even just to watch out for in yourself and also in your kids. And probably because everybody experiences this to some degree, probably a great place to have a conversation and connect a little bit about it. Um,
0: It's very similar to conversations like, hey. Everybody gets anxious. Everybody gets depressed. Everybody feels like maybe they're a fraud, and people saw it through them. Because in our groups that we did a quit tripping for years, and now in the classes, you know, we're doing a version of it. Kids are always blown away to find out that other kids are going through the same crap they're going through. And even though we'd like to think that, gosh, you know, like that's cool, but guess what? Us as adults go through the same thing. We're always surprised to hear that a neighbor. Or someone that we go to church with, or someone that we work with, or whatever you know you, however you run into people, that someone is going through a human experience that we can relate to, but we're surprised and relieved simultaneously grateful, right
1: that we aren't grateful. the only
0: one yeah, nobody wants to be the only person with egg on their face or you know you know bad choices and behaviors in their past, like no one wants to be the only like. We want to feel like, hey, we're not abnormal. That's actually somewhat normal in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, these conversations when your kid's here, you know, when you talk about with people, you know, yeah, people want to argue, hey, is this a real condition, not condition? Is this something that, you know, only women have? I was reading stuff on, online about it. I was like, it sounds like someone who's being hard on themselves and checking to make sure that they're not getting, you know, like a little too cocky or something. By itself, it, by itself, it's innocent. You take it to the extreme, then it starts to get a little dicey, right?
1: So, anyway, thanks for listening to my to my own little my own little rant and my my own little self assessment. Yeah, um, but I definitely think that um, looking for these opportunities to connect on a human level between a parent and a kid is invaluable and. Yeah. Um, and this is this is one probably that that our kids could really relate with us. <laughs> so thanks, David, for your perspective on that and sharing. And thank thank you to you listeners for showing up, for trying, for trying to constantly improve yourself. And thank you for for helping us to light the fight.